0: Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives, thus the title Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. Healing the sick was a large part of the ministry of Jesus. In today's podcast, we want to examine the question, is healing God's will? A more specific question would be, is it God's will to heal the person that I'm praying for? It is imperative that the Christian come to some kind of conclusion about this faith issue. We will be looking at three different scriptures in detail, but let's first of all begin with Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, reading from the New King James Version. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Many people have struggled over this issue of divine healing. There are a number of questions that Christians ask about healing. I know that Jesus and the apostles healed people, but does healing happen today? Some believe that the gifts of healing died out with the apostles, that healings do not happen anymore. Another question that Christians often ask is, the healings that are reported today, are they real? I believe that many of these healings are authentic healings from the Lord. Another question that is often asked, why don't we hear more about healings today? I believe because we don't expect God to heal or we're not looking for it. I have found several different attitudes towards healing in the church. There's the attitude that healing comes exclusively through the medical profession. If you need healing, you go to a doctor. There's the attitude that healing is possible but out of the ordinary. We read or hear about sporadic healings that happen every once in a while. There's also the attitude that healing always takes place if there is faith. If you're not healed, it is because of the lack of faith. This is what I would call the ultra-faith position. There's a fourth attitude, that healing is ordinary and common, but does not always take place. This is the attitude that I hold to. F.F. F. Bosworth said, and I quote, It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing which we are not sure that God offers. Because the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Each one of us has to resolve this biblical issue of healing for ourselves by studying the Word of God. We need to study the scriptures and discover what they have to say about healing. Derek Prince, as a young Christian in a military hospital in North Africa during World War II, struggled with this issue about healing. He went to the Bible for his answers, and God spoke to him through the scriptures. He concluded from his studies of the Bible that God was a healer, and because of this, Derek Prince believed God and was healed of his ailment. The basic problem many believers struggle with is the lack of assurance concerning the will of God. Like F.F. F. Bosworth says, It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing which we are not sure that God offers. It is important for us to search out the scriptures to discover what it says about healing and God's will. Is it the will of God to heal? This is something we must wrestle with and find out for ourselves. What does the word of God say about healing? God's will concerning healing is revealed in the scriptures. Is healing God's will? I see a threefold answer to this question. First, the will of God is revealed by the nature of God. Exodus 15, verses 22 to 26. Let's read it. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commands, and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I have put on the Egyptians." for I am the Lord your healer. Exodus 15:26 says, "For I am the Lord your healer." The New King James Version says, "For I am the Lord who heals you." God revealed himself to Israel as a healer. Literally the phrase "your healer" means your doctor or your physician. God said to Israel, "I am your doctor. I am your physician." The Hebrew word used here is still used today in Israel in reference to one's doctor. God revealed to Israel that it was his nature to heal, that he is a doctor. This revelation didn't come to Israel because they were seeking a doctor to heal them. If you read the context, you'll notice that this event happened after Israel crossed the Red Sea from Egypt. They had been traveling through the wilderness, searching for water. Exodus fifteen twenty-two says, They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Marah means bitter. The water was undrinkable. This would be frustrating and discouraging to find water, but not being able to drink it. It was undrinkable. The people complained to Moses. It says in verse 24, And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Mara is almost universally believed to be what is now called Hawara, about 30 miles from the place where the Israelites landed on the eastern shore of the Red Sea. God used this opportunity to reveal himself as a healer. He revealed himself as a healer by healing the water. He made the undrinkable water drinkable. Today, at this location, Hawara, the water is still bitter. It appeared that God healed the waters of Marah for this occasion only, enabling Israel to drink. The Bible says that Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. That's Exodus 15, verse 25. The Jewish Tarmug of Jonathan in Jerusalem says that when Moses prayed, and I quote, The word of the Lord showed him the tree, on which he wrote the great and precious name of Jehovah and then threw it into the water, and the waters thereby became sweet. The Lord responded to the prayer of Moses and made the water drinkable. The wood that Moses tossed into the water did not have a magical effect on the water. This was an act of faith. God performed the miracle. Moses did this in obedience to God's word, as he did with the staff At the Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea incident? God said to Moses, Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. That's Exodus 14 and verse 16. The sweetening of the water with the branch was another of God's miracles for keeping his people safe. After the healing of the waters, God spoke to Israel. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. That's Exodus 15 verse 26. As we examine verse 26 closely, we see that these words are spoken in covenant terms. God desires to enter into a covenant of healing with Israel, a binding contract between God and Israel. Notice there is a condition in this covenant with Israel. If you will, I will. Here's the conditions that must be met. If you will diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, God requires this obedience. Here's what God will do. I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. What God was saying is, If you will obey me, I will put none of the diseases of Egypt on you. This healing covenant would only be honored by God if they lived in obedience to his word. This covenant required three things of Israel, that they should acknowledge Jehovah as their God and thus avoid all idolatry, that they should receive his word as a divine revelation that is binding, and that they should live in obedience and holiness. In the new covenant, God's healing is based on not our faithfulness, but the faithfulness of Jesus. In this covenant, God required obedience. God entered into a covenant with Israel, promising to look after their health. God promised to be their doctor. I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. Verse 26. As their doctor, he would keep them from the plagues which struck the Egyptians. Notice that God didn't just reveal himself as a healer, but he made it personal. I am the Lord, your healer. God is Israel's healer or doctor. I am is a continuous state of being. I am speaks of the perpetual existence of God, his eternal nature. The I am has always been a healer and will always be a healer. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your doctor. This is how God chose to reveal himself to Israel. The Lord is not just Israel's healer. He is our healer if he is our Lord. It is in God's nature to heal. Remember, God entered into a covenant of healing with Israel. Is it God's will to heal? Yes, it is in the very nature of God to heal. Secondly, the will of God is revealed by the ministry of Jesus. So let's look at Acts 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter was speaking to the household of Cornelius when he said these words. He identified Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, the promised Messiah. The miracles and the healings were clearly proof that God was with him. The preaching and the miracles of Jesus were well known throughout this region. Peter says, You yourself know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, that's Acts 10, verse 37. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The things that Jesus said and did were done in public and were reported widely. Cornelius would have been familiar with the stories about Jesus of Nazareth. Notice that all three persons of the Trinity are united in the ministry of healing according to verse 38. The Son was the personal representative of the Godhead in this world. The Father and the Holy Spirit were united in the Son in bringing healing to suffering humanity. The ministry of Jesus demonstrates God's will to heal the sick and oppressed. Look at what Jesus says about himself. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It was the will of God the Father to heal suffering mankind or else Jesus would not have had a healing ministry. The Gospels often summarize the ministry of Jesus, which always included healing. So let's look at some examples from the Gospels. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. That's Matthew 9, verse 35. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. That's Matthew 14 and verse 35. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. That's Matthew 15 and verse 30. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments those who were demon possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. That's Matthew 4 and verse 24. I don't believe that the only reason that Jesus had a healing ministry was to prove that he was God. The greater proof of his deity was the miracle of the resurrection. Surely there is more to the healing ministry of Jesus than just to prove that he was God. The Bible tells us that Jesus performed miracles and healings out of compassion for suffering mankind. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's Matthew 9, verse 36. In verse 35, it talks about the teaching and healing of Jesus. It is clearly compassion that motivated the ministry of Jesus. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. That's Matthew 14, verse 14. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. as Matthew 15 and verse 32. Here we have the words of Jesus before he fed the 4,000 a miracle that was performed out of compassion. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight And they followed him. That's Matthew 20 and verse 34. Two blind men were healed because Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had a healing ministry to alleviate the suffering of mankind. Because God the Father wanted to meet the needs of the suffering with salvation and healing. How did Jesus demonstrate God's will about healing? The Gospels leave us no doubt There is no example of Jesus ever turning away anyone who came to him for healing. Jesus never said, it's not God's will to heal you. You must remain sick. You can't be healed. You're too sinful. Your sickness is intended to glorify God. Your sickness is too serious and too advanced for me to heal you. Jesus never said those words those who came to Jesus for healing, were healed. There's 25 distinct cases of Jesus healing people or groups of people in the Gospels. When he was confronted with suffering, he dealt with it. He treated sickness as contrary to God's will. His healing ministry was a campaign against sickness and disease. If it's God's will for you to be sick, then it is a violation of God's will for you to seek to be better by going to a doctor. If it's God's will for you to be sick, then you should not seek to get better. Some people conclude that it must be God's will for me to be sick, and then they go to a doctor to seek to get better. It is God's will that you walk in health. It is God's will to seek healing when you are sick. Is it God's will to heal? Yes, the healing ministry of Jesus demonstrates it's God's will to heal. Third, the will of God is revealed by Christ's atonement. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53 contains the Bible's most complete description of the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs used here means sickness, disease, anxiety, and affliction. It does not refer to our sins, but to our sufferings. The Hebrew word is often translated sickness. Notice Jesus bore our sickness on the cross and carried our sorrows. The word sorrows literally means pain, sorrow, sadness or grief. Notice Jesus carries our sorrows or pain. To carry means to bear or uphold. That is to remove a burden from the shoulders of one person and place it on the shoulders of another person. And that's in essence what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus takes up our sorrow or pain and carries it away. He carries it for us so that we do not have to carry it. He carries it away for us. The word grief appears to be referring to physical suffering, infirmity, and disease, and the word sorrow to anguish, anxiety, or trouble of the soul. The cross of Christ deals with man's sin, man's sorrow, and man's sickness. Jesus shoulders our sin our sorrow, and our sickness, and carries it away. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. When we use the word stricken, smitten, and afflicted, we think of the ungodly being subjected to God's punishment for sin. The ungodly experiencing the just punishment for their sinful actions. In the Old Testament, when the word struck, Or smitten was used, it usually refers to a plague or leprosy. An act of God used against sinful humanity. Let's look at some biblical examples. There's 1 Samuel chapter 5, where it talks about the Philistines being smitten with a plague for taking the Ark of the Covenant from Israel. 1 Samuel 5 and verse 12. The man who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Then there is the example of Uzziah in Second Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah went into the temple to burn incense, assuming the office of a priest. When he was stopped by the priests, he got angry, but God struck him with leprosy. Let's look at Second Chronicles 26 and verse 20. It says this, And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. That's Second Chronicles 26 and verse 20. And then there's the story of Miriam in Numbers chapter 12. Miriam was struck with leprosy for opposing Moses. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, like snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. That's Numbers 12 and verse 10. Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus was looked upon by the Jewish community as cursed, under God's judgment, stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as he died on the cross. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Galatians 3 and verse 13. This is a quotation from Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. A hangman is cursed by God. Jesus was looked upon as under God's curse. He was afflicted and smitten by God, exposed to God's displeasure, while he hung on the cross. Christ's death on the cross was regarded as a special and direct divine judgment. He suffered under the judicial punishment of God for his own sins. Isaiah captures this thought in these words, We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Isaiah clarifies what is really going on at the death of Jesus. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Jesus didn't suffer for his own personal sin. He suffered for our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Jesus took our sins on himself and suffered the punishment that we deserved. Christ's death was a substitutionary death. Jesus died in our place. He removed our sins from us and shouldered our sins for us. Isaiah 53 and verse 12 tells us that he bore the sin of many. According to the Bible, a man must bear the burden of punishment for his own sin. But according to Isaiah 53, Jesus bore the sin of mankind. He bore the sin of many. But according to Isaiah, Christ suffered the punishment due to our sins. Christ volunteered to take up our sin and bear its punishment on the cross. This is what Isaiah means when he says, But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Christ brought pardon for sin through his atoning death on the cross. Jesus also brought healing through the atonement because Isaiah goes on to say, and by his stripes we are healed. This literally means by his stripes it has been healed for us. We are healed or healing has happened to us through Christ's atoning death on the cross. The idea conveyed here is that by means of his stripes, or scourging, healing is provided for us. We have healing because Christ made provision for us through his stripes. This passage in Isaiah is quoted two times by the New Testament writers. Both endorse the idea that healing is in the atonement. Matthew sees the healing ministry of Jesus having its foundation in the atonement. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's Matthew 8 verses 16 and 17. This taking of our infirmities and carrying our diseases or sicknesses was accomplished on the cross in His death. Peter spoke of Jesus as our sin-bearer and our sickness-bearer, who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That's First Peter 2 verse 24. Notice the phrase, you were healed. The verb's past tense indicates completed action. The healing is an accomplished fact. You were healed. Jesus took our sicknesses, and bore our pains and with the wounds afflicted on his body he has obtained healing for us both spiritual and physical healing have been obtained for us through his atonement we can bless the lord as david did who said bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities who heals All of your diseases. That's Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. It is God's will to heal us. The will of God is revealed in God's very nature. He is a healer or a doctor. He revealed himself to ancient Israel as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. The will of God is revealed by the ministry of Jesus the life and ministry of Jesus was a perfect reflection of the Father's heart. Jesus was a healer. His entire ministry was a campaign against sin and sickness. The will of God is revealed by the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sin, our sorrows, and our sicknesses. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? You can also visit my website, RelevantTruthPodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of my messages and book recommendations. You can also contact me at Mason. Seventy nine at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening.